So only because this is an audio medium where you are, of course, relying on our voices and you cannot see us. Uh, I am I'm, I'm not. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'd be fine with that. Uh, I'm not starting this episode with a standing out. Otherwise, I would because you absolutely nailed it. And people who subscribe to the site know about this. I tweeted about this on Monday. We're recording here on a Tuesday, but we're coming off of five days and five commitments. And this was you exactly a week ago. I'm going to quote you and you're going to sit there and you're going to enjoy this because you, like I said, nailed it. I'm going to bask in it. Yeah. The, 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 the topic was entitled or titled Penn State about to get hot on the trail. So you say they're hoping for good news in the next couple of days, but is that all? Devin Ford, Antonio Alfano are going to announce on Friday. Brandon Smith on Monday. Expect Penn State to go two for three over that stretch. Alfano goes to Bama. Ford and Smith go to Penn State. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Then the next sentence is, but there could be a wave of momentum looming in the defensive backfield. Then Jaquan Brisker. Then Marquise Wilson. Then, of course, Brandon Smith comes aboard. Um, Tyler Rudolph as well. Tyler Rudolph as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you you crushed it, man. I, I as much as I wanted the people to panic, you, you have to, you I'm know. a very vengeful person. And when you panicked, I took it personally. And I, actually, I was writing those notes when we recorded last week. Like that, that was in the process of, of being mentioned. But we can't, you know, obviously get ahead of ourselves on the podcast here because we're right. at the, the VIP subscribers. But yeah, I mean, Penn State got on a roll. You panicked. Yeah, as I told well, you. I, I was to, trying to urge the pain. I was trying to like, fan you, the fire I there. gave you the Aaron Rodgers relaxed talk, and you, you just didn't listen. But, you know, you're not a recruiting guy. I, well, I no, I just I just like when people get on your back a little bit because I know eventually someone's going to commit, all right? Like right. not a top 10, top 15 program, depending on where and, they fall in September. It it's not going to hang around that long. It doesn't matter when they – I mean, these guys – Waited a little bit longer than usual. Of course, the rules are different now in terms of official visits and things like that. But they waited a little bit longer. People started to, you know, kind of got under a few people's skin. But the commitments were coming the entire time. It's just a matter of the process and and these guys figuring out what they want to do. The official visits are new and shiny and everybody wants to get their trips paid for and everything like that. But at the end, I mean, you know where you're going. You know where you're going. I mean, Brandon Smith, I, I feel like he's known where he's going for a while. Devin Ford, since the Penn State official, he's known where he's going. And, and Tyler Rudolph. And Marquise Wilson in that same boat as well. So, right. I mean, why wait around? You know, they, there's a few reasons for that to happen, but you know, they, they got on board and five for five. That's that's a pretty impressive stretch right there. Well, and here's the last thing I'll say about you. Speaking of quite impressive, you can tell you do a good job because obviously this came to fruition. But if you look across the beat, and I'm not going to name names here, but your headline of you know Penn State about to get hot, or suddenly there's reporting elsewhere after you submit and post these notes that oh Penn State might have some commitments coming up. But people can look at the two four seven crystal balls, which of course you know point everyone in the right direction. But everyone on the beat is aware of what you do, and you could see them saying the same things a few days after you did, and then lo and behold, oh they know about it too. So if you pay close enough attention, you'll see exactly who that might be or what it happens to. And you don't blame them. Like if I wasn't sitting across the table from you, but instead across the state, I would do the same thing. Um, but you crushed it. So uh, congrats. All right. On to the kids. All right. Oh, yeah. Them. We're yeah, talking about yeah. them now. Uh, Javon Brisker, Thursday. This was late at night. Um, I know he was in that list of guys I put together earlier this month of, listen, all the crystal balls are pointing in this direction. You should commit soon. Biggest thing about him for me is he could jump into that 2019 safety conversation 
as a top-rated JUCO safety in this class. Yeah, and I and I think we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves. I think they'll have bodies there and, and, and good players there at that safety position. Brisker will come in ready to to potentially start. I mean, he's a he's a very good athlete. He's got the length back there, 6'2", just about 200 pounds. He's going to get stronger. If you put on his tape, he brings it, man. I mean, he. I know you, you looked at him quick the other night. This is a guy that finishes plays off. He finds the football four interceptions last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a guy that can come in, compete right there, or compete right away. We have him... On 24-7 sports is a high three-star, 87 um, rating. But um, this is a guy that Penn State targeted as probably one of their top three defensive targets. Um, and, and when you look at the ratings, people were asking, is he, you know, are they still going to be able to take him and everything like that? This is a guy they wanted from from the get-go, and, and they love this kid. Yeah. yeah, I think he's a missile out of the backfield. You know, that seasoning that will have at Lackawanna will help him again in that mix. And you don't know anything for sure, but I think he'll get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in terms of coming on campus, not having the playbook or knowing it, but could be able to start right away. And you'll see that just the physical maturity, the understanding, the easier transition to college life. Like he'll get reps with ones or twos, perhaps even before they, they know who might deserve. Yeah. And, and you'd love to see him coming in December. That's still not completely decided. I don't think he'll be here next spring. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that can contribute right away. And he's also a guy that he had the talent in high school. I was talking to, to Brian Doan, 24 seven sports national analyst about this this weekend. Brisker's always had the talent. His grades were awful in high school. I mean, that's what everybody went elsewhere. He came, came to that camp at Penn state a couple years ago. And I was like, who's this kid? Right. And this, you know, it's like, don't worry about it. He's not, he's not going anywhere. I mean, in, in a sense of, He's not going to be a, a prospect that signs with the school and gets into a school right away. So to his credit, he's gone to Lackawanna. He's improved things there, and Penn State's ready to take him. And, I mean, I think he's a guy that if you're talking about immediate impacts with this 2019 class, you got to start with him. Yep, Alabama offered visited last September. Other schools in the mix there, but he lands at Penn State. Yeah, and he wanted to take visits and things like that. But, hey, Penn State – got really full really quick and you know they got that message out last week that there's not a ton of spots here uh brisker goes in we'll, we'll, we'll skip devin ford for a second marquise wilson's in that boat tyler rudolph is in that boat they both came down this weekend and you know committed in person then did their own thing in terms of announcing but uh hashtag callahan effect hashtag callahan effect i mean penn state has not drawn kids from connecticut like that for a while and i guess since you came back onto the beat yeah, yeah. I'm just hey, kudos to you. I mean, we're not talking many all cases. About me, Correlation is causation, but I think this is one of the the rare instances. That must be. It. I think yes. you agree. Well, you lost the quarterback. That's not my <laughs> business. So, um, so anyway, uh, back to Devin Ford. Uh, he he committed on Friday afternoon. Big one for Penn State. This is a guy that they felt good about coming out of the spring game visit. And really, I mean, Penn State continues to recruit running backs at an elite level. Ricky Slade last year, of course, Miles Sanders is on campus. Uh, Saquon obviously was Saquon, and and they will continue to sell Saquon for a long time. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Penn State reloading at running back. You'd like to see them grab another one in this class um, just because of numbers-wise, Mark Allen and, and Jonathan Thomas heading out the door after this season. But back to Devin Ford. He's got an elite skill set. Um, I don't know that there's anything that he does on the whole, or excuse me, anything that he does individually that makes him so much better than everyone else. He's just such a complete back. I mean, he's he's a four six guy. He's not a four four guy, but his vision is fantastic. Uh, he can put that foot in the ground and get going. Uh, I think f- over five thousand yards in his high school career so far. Not that that matters or anything like that, but as a kid, that's a productive football player. He's going to come in after Ricky Slade, sort of a different back. Ricky's more of the four four home run hitter type guy. Uh, Ford is a, is a he's a guy that can just flat out play football. I think he's a guy that's um, every he, he sort of checks every box. Maybe not in in pen with the the speed and everything like that, but he's a, he's a guy that checks every box in, in terms of what you can ask him to do as a running back. Right, no holes in his game. Not really. No, 
and I'm sure he can't block, but that's just run, every high school running back. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't <laughs> have can't to. can't end on that. He note. doesn't have to. But no, I mean, Ford is a fantastic player. They're they're really excited to get him on board. And and like I said, they're 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 going to go after another running back uh, in this class just because of numbers. But you know, if you get Ford, that, that goes a long way in securing your things on the offensive side of the ball. Brought up Marquise Wilson a little bit earlier. Um, super athletic kid. I wrote about him. I think he's got starting potential. And you go, oh, well, he's a four-star. Like, all of them should have starting potential. <laughs> Who would go like that? And Our I, message board? Yeah, no. no never. And, and, you know, <laughs> on the surface, it's a fair point. But you look at the four-stars, you know, people have different ratings. And I think when you look at schools like Penn State, you know, you might not be in the discussion right away simply because you're a four-star. The majority of the class are four-stars. What attracted me about, uh, to Wilson, rather, is that athleticism. You know, he, he's not a burner. He doesn't have elite speed. I think that'll get better. But just his hips are so fluid where he's, you know, six foot, six one, but he can cover all different body types, tremendous ball skills, great leaping ability, vertical pushing, 37. Like, this is a kid who I think they'll put in at corner, and you have enough raw tools to be like, if he, you know, focuses, works hard, and takes the coaching well, like, there's a lot there to work with where a lot of kids might have a ceiling. And, and his, I think, is is number one. Yeah, absolutely. He's got the length. He's about six foot. Um, you, you mentioned he's not a burner. He was a, he was in the four fives at camp last year. I think at Nike he ran around, around four, a four seven. seven. Yeah, so um, that that's one thing that probably he doesn't do the best. And, you know, he we, we have him as a four-star on 24-7 sports. I think he's a 24-7 sports composite four-star as well. But yep. just a fantastic football player. He changes direction so well. He can cover. Um, he gets the ball in his hands. He usually finds the the end zone when he has it. Yeah, so, he's a punt returner. Punt returner, kick returner. Uh, you know, if he gets a pick, you know, he, he might be going to the house with it. So um, this is a guy that Penn State identified early. They had him in camp last year. I believe they offered last August, uh, just before the season. Um, but this is a guy that, that crept up the cornerback the board, and by the time he committed, you know, he's right there at the top. I mean, they, they targeted, of course, Keaton Ellis, who's in the class already. Wilson's there. Tyler Rudolph, who we'll get to. They see him as coming in as a corner, but you know, he's, he's versatile as well. Um, uh, but Wilson, I think, is a corner all the way. Um, and, and, and Penn State thinks he ranks up there with the Derek Stingleys and the Jeffrey Carters, guys that, that across the country that they targeted early as well. Um, may not have that speed, but a fantastic football player. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, let's skip Brandon Smith and go to Tyler Rudolph. Yeah, let's a skip little bit five-star more. linebacker. And yeah, save, yeah. save the best for last, as they <laughs> okay. say. Uh, Rudolph... Another defensive back can play safety or corner, a little bit taller, more physical, I think. A guy who, you know, maybe not plays a little bit earlier on, but I think I see special teams there as a guy who can contribute right away. Yeah, absolutely. I see a guy, maybe not the athletic freak that Christian Campbell is, but he, he comes in with a similar profile in that he can play a couple different positions. They have him slotted at corner. We have him slotted at safety. I mean, when he gets into a college weight program, nutrition program, I don't know, you know, if he can, if he's going to outgrow that cornerback position. But you know, he's got the hips, he's got the feet to make it happen. I mean, he's a, he's a different breed in terms of six one cornerbacks. So, uh, really like Tyler Rudolph a lot. Of course, we're going to tie them together, uh, Rudolph and Wilson, and they will be continued to tie together throughout their college career. Um, but uh, a fantastic haul. I mean. Connecticut, I give you all the credit here, is is really good this year. And Rudolph, um, I think we have him at number two in the 24-7 sports rankings, number three in the composite uh, behind Tyson Fomachon uh, in both instances. But, man, those are two really good players coming from the, the nutmeg state, right? Yeah, we don't like to talk about it, but okay. that's true. All right, I'll give you that one. It's better than the suffocating debt they have back home. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that escalated quickly. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, Rudolph, I think, is a fantastic pull. Um, really surprised he hasn't gotten uh, more attention in terms of the uh, you know the All-American games or anything like that because I think he's he's got the potential to, to, to be at that level as a prospect. 
All right. Brandon Smith, five-star linebacker. Um, this was posed in our Q&A on the board where we saw a couple questions from the mailbag, which is coming um, after maybe my favorite segment of the year. But the question was, who is the most important recruit Penn State could land in this cycle? Tell me if I'm wrong. Because my answer was they just landed him. Brandon Smith, and not only from the standpoint of he's a five-star kid, he's a top 30 overall prospect, but he's an elite prospect at a position that linebacker U has not recruited like linebacker U as of late. And you look at him paired with Michael Parsons for the next couple of years down the road, that is an elite that's, that's pretty sick to think about. I mean, Brandon Smith, and I, and I agree with you. Okay. He's a magnetic kid. Um, he's a guy that's that, that's very visible, uh, very well spoken. Can get in there and talk to talk to his peers. Which you know, w- when you're doing recruiting, uh, coaches can only say so much. You got to hear it from your peers. His father will recruit for Penn State as well. Um, so and he's a linebacker too. Like if, I, I don't it, know if he'll play. You know, Mike Samuel, whatever. Yeah, but that's a just get him there. Get him there and get him going. And and he's six three and a half, six four, two twenty five. So the, the question is going to be, does he stay at linebacker? Is he a defensive end? He's a linebacker. He's going to play linebacker. They want him as a linebacker. He plays linebacker in high school. Flip on the tape. The kid closes with elite speed, and he finishes the job as a linebacker. Uh, If you put him there, uh, I know you talk about pairing him with Micah Parsons. It also gives you a little bit of flexibility if you do want to move Micah down to to defensive end, as we talked about before. You've talked about before. As I've talked about before. Hey, it's fair. That possibility is there. I mean, I I just think you're adding an elite, long athlete, to that second level of your defense, which you haven't really always had. You mentioned the the recruiting woes at linebacker, and they've they've missed on a few in recent years. And you know Brandon Smith's probably going to end up coming in playing pretty early. He's two hundred twenty five pounds right now, and by the time he gets here, he might be a two hundred thirty two hundred thirty five pound linebacker. Um, yeah, this kid's I, I don't throw it around a lot, but this kid's elite. I mean, he's he's an elite prospect. Um, it's a great kid to be around as well. I think he's just a, a fantastic get for Penn State. And I put my crystal ball in almost a year ago. I think in June. I met him for the first time in person, and I said, that kid's going to Penn State. I mean, that, that, that yeah, kid said last episode he's a Penn State completely guy. fits the profile. That kid's going to Penn State, and uh, ended up, you know, once in a while being right. So that's, that's <laughs> Everyone, as I mentioned at the beginning, kind of followed you from there. Yeah, so, no, I think Brandon Smith, fantastic get. Uh, in terms of this run, no doubt he's the most important in terms of the entire class. He's, he's right up there, right. absolutely. Okay, so five commits in five days. They're now up to eight. Yes. For the class, number 14. 14 in the country. And, yep, in the composite. As we record, by the way, seeing as how these things are coming at us rapid fire, who knows where they're going to be <laughs> by the call time my family publishes. members and make sure they haven't made a major college decision as yeah, of right, late right. Uh, and join the class. But uh, that naturally leads into, you know, what happens next? Where do they go? Uh, but I'm going to hit the pause button on that Oh, because it's, you know, been about 14, 15 minutes already into this. And we have not talked about the Penn State fantasy football draft. Oh, man. Last year, uh, you won by slight edge and kind of popular vote on the boards, which is not how this is determined. Because if we had taken it to the field, my offensive line would have done uh, some real work on your defense there. But we've drafted two more teams. We're going to discuss them here, go through our picks, why we made certain selections. Again, we're, we're drafting two teams out of Penn State's current roster. So this includes the early enrollees and then the, quote, early, end quote. The late early enrollees. Yeah, yeah uh, who just came aboard the four kids for the first summer session. But none of the freshmen who have yet to arrive on campus. Cool. Okay. Everyone's up for grabs. Draft your team. Make it as best as possible. Are you ready to go? Plus, you drafted first, so I'm first on the waiver, so I get Justin Shorter when he shows up. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah, didn't discuss that uh, beforehand, <laughs> but now really regretting it. Um, all right, so the second fantasy football draft, I think we, we uh, there's only one real way to kick this off. All right, let's do it. 
and we already drafted. We I'm already drafted. I'm, I'm. We already drafted, and and for some context, he put this on while we were drafting, and it took us fifteen or twenty minutes to draft, and he just put it on loop the entire time. So it's thirty six minutes. They compile all of ESPN's uh, NFL primetime tracks. By the way, I might get in trouble for playing this without their permission. We will leave that up to the good Andrew Dorita, who will kindly uh, put this together for us. The best um, producer we've got. Yeah. For now, we'll leave it on low enough where it's like, hey, you didn't, you know, you let out with it, but didn't right. really play a role. Right. Um, all right, marching I, on. I had the first draft pick last year. I seeded that to you this year, probably knowing who you would take. But I mean, I I think it's it's pretty obvious, right? Yeah, Trace McSorley. Um, this was he good. Yeah, yeah he he be good. Uh, the problem last year, I remember having, and I'm not going to go much into last year because we have a lot of picks to get to. Again, we we had sixteen. Um, 15 rounds, depending on how you go about this. Serpentine. But last year... We're not was, good with numbers. You, yeah. you would go, you know, Saquon and Tommy Stevens, because naturally the second pick is going to be traced, was a huge advantage. Not that I couldn't have made up for it and, right. and missed some opportunities, but this year I think it's it's fairly more split where you've got the big running back. Uh, you got the big quarterback, Miles Sanders, and Tommy is a little bit less of a punch and Saquon and Trace was. Okay, well, that's fine. Um, but I, I'm looking at positions where you take the the difference between the first and the second. And we did that last year. And, and like we said, Trace and Tommy, you know, going into last season, you, you could talk about how the, how far they, there wasn't uh, or, or how much space wasn't in between them. Uh, that's why I went with Miles Sanders after you took Trace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Miles Sanders far and away the number one. Um, of course, you know, the, the, they'll – Throw Mark Allen out there, Johnny Thomas, Journey Brown as well, but I think Miles far and away is probably the most uh, probably the most valuable guy. If if he were to go down, I think they would have the most the most trouble replacing him on offense. So Trace McSorley one, Miles Sanders number two. Uh, Should have mentioned this earlier. You can find all these picks on the site. Yeah. They're going to be up. You can see the teams. Make pull, your own count. Pull it up. Follow along. Just yeah. probably not when you're driving, but yeah, uh, yeah. Good, good, good. Uh, all right. Uh, so I mentioned we went serpentine. So you had I had the first pick. You went second and third. And from here on out, we did back to back picks. So yeah. the second round. And every round thereafter starts with you. I have two picks in the middle, and then you end. Okay. So who was your pick after Miles Sanders? Ryan Bates, Penn State's best offensive lineman. Uh, can play guard, can play tackle. I might get back to that in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, Ryan Bates, you, you saw how valuable he was when he was out last year. Um, yeah, I think he's, he, he's my far and away second guy after Miles Sanders. Fun fact about Ryan Bates, and I'm not big on uh, – Pro football focus grades, more so for defensive backs and offensive line. The fourth worst offensive player for Penn State a year ago. Okay. <laughs> That's there. Now, I would have taken Bates probably top three rounds as it was. Um, but after he went, I took Juwan Johnson and Kevin Givens. Part of this is there's no other ro- uh, wideout currently in the roster with his makeup. Go up and get it. He's going to be the number one option. Mm-hmm. Justin Shorter might change that, but he's not on the roster right now. Uh, Kevin Givens, defensive tackle is a big sore spot. I talked about this at nauseum. So my first three picks, Trace McSorley, Juwan Johnson, and Kevin Givens. I went to the defensive line for mine because obviously there's there's you know needs – all over the place, but premium position, Sharif Miller. I think he's going to have a really big year. Um, he was my, my my second round pick or my third, whatever round you want to call this. But I went Sharif Miller, and then I went to continue to build that offensive line with Connor McGovern. And that was interesting to me, too, because I think Connor is an ascending player, and that's part of the equation here, right? Like, you want to draft the best players, but you're projecting how well they'll be, you know, this, this season. Year, yeah. Right. So, you know, younger guys tend to have some more value, even if they haven't played up to that standard. But clearly, he'll be better. Uh, plugs an important role. After Conor McGovern, I went John Reed and Robert Windsor. Windsor, again, was the hit defensive tackle. These guys are the two studs. There's a big drop-off after both of them. 
but they're also going to affect that running game on the inside. Where I've seen you pick Ryan Bates and Connor McGovern, I have a feeling another you know offensive lineman is coming, yeah. and you've got Miles Sanders. So Robert Windsor gives me my best possible weapon in this roster to stop that running game. Next to Kevin Givens, there's some pass rush there, and John Reed. I mean, he he, you know, I assume will be 100. percent Yeah, he's going to be number one corner in the in the discussion for my second overall pick instead of Ryan Bates. But yeah, I I mean, John Reed's fantastic. I know he's hurt. He was hurt, but. I mean, what are you, you going to tell, tell me not to take John Reed? I mean, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, I had to counter your Juwan Johnson pick with DeAndre Tompkins. I think he's going to have a really good year. I uh, can play in the slot, can play outside, so that's that's good. Um, and I, I took Koa Farmer here. Um, I know that that's you know he hasn't produced up to that level yet, and James Franklin has said as much, and Koa has said as much. Um, but if you're looking at linebacker, you, you got to secure starters here, and Koa can can play Sam, can play Will, probably could play Mike if you wanted him to. Um, but yeah, I think he. I, I, there's it hope. feels like it's a reach, but it's not. There's hope, and there's hope for Koa uh, to 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 be that player this year, and you, everybody hopes he can be. Yeah. yeah. All right. Then I countered uh, my fourth round picks: Cam Brown, Stephen Gonzalez, Brown, another younger player. You know, ascending, he's got good speed to the outside. As of now, I could put him at the Sam or the Will and felt comfortable there. Stephen Gonzalez, the top-rated offensive player returning by pro football focus. But also, forget that aside. Yeah, he, His tape the last three, four games was really, really good. Right. And both from a pass protection and run blocking standpoint, I plug him in at left guard. Don't have to worry about that spot whatsoever. It's fair to say that he's somewhere between where pro football focus has him and somewhere where the message boards have him. Yes, <laughs> so, yes, yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's a Gonzalez, solid player. Yeah, yeah. The, the pick is good there. Um, I went back to corner right now, Amani Oriware. I think he's a really good player. I mean, he's getting some draft buzz right now, so that's that's good to see. Second team um, All Big Ten. Yeah, there we go. I mean, he he finds the football, he, he gets the picks. I mean, what else do you want from a corner? And Will Fries, which I don't even know if he's going to be the starting right tackle. I like Will Fries a lot. I think he he's going ascending to be a player, player. another ascending player. Um, you know, give me a choice between he and Chaz Wright. I'll probably take Fries. Is a little bit younger. Can do can do a few more things. Okay. This is where things started to get interesting. So fifth round, again, because each round contains four picks. I'm in the middle here. I took Shaka Tony and Tariq Castro. Fields. The first Shaka of the draft. Oh, God. You said that when we were doing this, and I thought you had it out of your system. I Clearly not. not. No. Um, all right. So here's the thing. It's thinking easier here to make a pun with that name than Tariq Castro. Fields, so. Tony, like we've just talked about multiple times, uh, ascending player. He brings a burst off the edge. No one else on the roster has. Right. I think he'll continue to get better. He, on a per-snap basis, I think makes the most impact, arguably, of any defender on this roster. So I add him. I'm comfortable with him playing every down, but we'll see how that goes a little bit later on. Three Castro Fields opposite John Reed gives me two different body types, two very good corners, another young, improving player. And from a pass rush or pass defense standpoint, you've got Kevin Gibbons and Chaka Tony up front, along with Robert Windsor, and now two potentially locked down corners on the outside. Yeah. In a passing game, college or pro or high school, like I'm pretty set there defensively. I feel good. I, I feel like some people will think you may have reached on Castro Fields considering he's the third corner. He was next on my board. I mean, I was, yeah. was going to take him at that The point. other part about this, too, is the Fry's pick tells me, like, oh, crap. Like, he, you're taking the strategy I had last year loading up on the offensive line. So either I could try to get your scraps or I could amplify the strengths that I have with my team. Right. Like, you know, me, you head on with a little bit lesser of a run defense or just deny the pass before you even get there. Right, exactly. Um, but I went back to the offensive line yes, uh, and, <laughs> and took Michael Mennett next. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's going to be able to plug in at guard, and he'll be fine. Um, you know, he m- might uh, have a snap or two behind, just con- considering the lack of experience. But uh, high hopes for Michael Minnett this year. 
And my first shocker of the draft, I went with Micah Parsons. Uh, I don't know if Micah Parsons is going to start. I don't know if Micah Parsons is going to blossom into the player that we know he can be. But I can say this. I don't want him to be on your roster if he does blossom to that player because he's just a, f- a fantastic talent. So p- slot him at linebacker. He can do so much for you. Pair him with Coa Farmer. Play that four-two-five if you need to. Yeah. I mean, the, the kid's good. What can you say? Monster. Well, you're going to need your four-two-five because here I went wide receiver and defensive end. So, again, amplifying those strengths. No one is going to pass better than me. No one is going to defend the pass better than me. K.J. Hamler. Also doubles as a fantastic return man, punt or kick. Right. And then Ryan Buckle. So I was surprised you did not take. And I understand he's kind of coming off an injury. But I'm looking at my defensive line right now, which could be trotted out as Penn State's first-team defensive line if Sharif Miller unfortunately goes down with injury. Buckholtz, Windsor, Gibbons, Tony, and then in the back end, we already talked about the secondary. I'm feeling good with my top two wideouts there, Juwan Johnson, KJ Hamler. Again, it's, it's different styles, but like... I, I'm feeling good. I'm going to run at Tony, by the way. That's that's what's going to happen with that's my fun. four starting offensive linemen. Um, speaking of secondary, I, I went with Nick Scott. He's my number one safety. Um, I think he's probably both of number, our number one safeties. Um, still haven't seen anything on on the game field that would that would you know lend us to believe that he's going to be an All Big Ten guy or anything like that. But leadership, two time captain, uh, I think turnover champ in the spring or whatnot. Yeah. So a lot of high hopes for Nick Scott. And then I went with uh, Etor Gross Matos. You, you mentioned why I didn't take Buckholes. I, I love the defensive end. Uh, right now I love Buckholz as well but Gross Matos I think is another ascending guy that's just uh, going to be a phenomenal player that was I was hoping you would drop too because you can kind of balance Tony's maybe weaknesses and run with an every down guy like with Buckholz yeah. and then just kind of help a little bit shade with those linebackers um, now about middle of the draft I followed up with a safety Garrett Taylor again trying to strengthen that secondary and wide receiver Brandon Polk I've got three starting wideouts now almost a complete secondary Juwan Johnson KJ Hamler Brandon Polk I'm feeling good, and it's more the same. Yeah, and I had to counter with Mac Hip and Hammer, so you didn't get all the receivers. (laughs) And then I went with Nick Bowers, and that's a wild card right there. I was wondering how far he would fall. Tight end is such a question mark, but I just think I think he's a there's a good player in there. Um, whether you know that whether he's uh, whether he's healthy or not will we'll go a long way in determining that. But I just uh, I, I think in talent in terms of talent, I think he's the guy at tight end. All right, now um, linebacker, linebacker. Jarvis Miller, Jan Johnson were my next picks. The way I look at it is this: Cam Brown now is going to be playing the will. That puts Jarvis Miller at the Sam. You've got very good speed and length at both those spots. And what you have is a guy in the middle who's a veteran. So there's no concerns, which you might have with an Ellis Brooks, Micah Parsons, or Jesse Lucetta about who can make the calls. Can he perform the run defense? He's not going to be an elite player there, but someone who right now I think is leading the pack at the mic going into summer. Summer's going to be a long camp. Yeah. Um, but Jan Johnson, you know, gives me comfort at the mic and speed on the outside. So now I'm really putting together solid over spectacular. You don't have the yeah. Parsons or you know, the other guys in there that. He probably won't make some of those plays, but he'll also probably be more solid in terms of tackling yeah. and, and fundamentals and things like that. It's a, it's a good pick. I like Jan Johnson a lot. I hope he, hope he sees the field a good bit. Anyway, I think you went linebacker, linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went back to the defensive line because I don't have a defensive tackle yet, so I went with uh, Antonio Shelton. And then I made the cave-in of the day. I got my quarterback slash lion. I got Tommy Stevens. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I figured you would try and pull something. Where are you going to quarterback or line? <laughs> we'll get to that later. Uh, no, actually, quarterback all the way, plus this offensive line that I've got. He's a running quarterback. Uh, he could probably do a little bit around uh, behind that offensive line. He's got Nick Bowers there as a safety valve. My receivers so far, 
Um, you know, not the most experienced guys. Can make some plays. Uh, Dip and Hammer had a couple touchdowns in the spring game. But, yeah, I, I, I went with Tommy. I finally caved. I thought you were going to pull something on me. Were you going to take Tommy? And, no. and Oh, this wasn't that three-game stretch where you said you're going to see Tommy Stevens like last year? When I nailed it, then. You yeah, nailed it, then. Yeah. 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 Uh, triple or nothing. Um, uh, that was bold prediction, but uh, we, we can, we're getting off track. Yeah. But, um, all right. Moving into the tenth round, uh, ninth round. Uh, Blake Gilkin was huge. For it me. was Tommy or Blake, and and you took you took Blake. And, Penn State's potentially best player. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's he's going to punt at an elite level. He can also kick. He was the best kicker. I mean, between him and Carson Landis in spring, they're going to have a, a ton of kickers come in during the summer. All the walk ons, all the walk ons, Jake Pinnaker, yeah. you know, etc. But this is a guy who can handle both those duties. Again, he's a top ten player on this roster. I felt very good getting him in the ninth round. Again, these rounds having two players. And then with C.J. Thorpe, finally came, went back to the offensive line. The reason I felt they could wait here, too, is, you know, if I see you fill out your offensive line, you're not going to be jumping to grab backups at that point. Right. So I have two guards now who are very good in the run game. Thorpe is, you know, their best run blocker, according to James Franklin. I've got that beef inside. So even if I don't have Miles Sanders, we'll be able to crew clear some space for wherever I take a running back. Exactly. Um, I went back to the secondary as my next pick, Lamont Wade. Uh, a lot of high hopes for him. And, you know, if he gets everything together, I think he can end up a starter in the long run. Um, you know, with with Scott and Taylor off the board, I went back to him. And Ellis Brooks, who still not sure where he's at in terms of, you know, how ready he is to contribute on every down. You already took Jan Johnson. I already took Micah Parsons. So throw another box linebacker in. Coachable kid, can play on special teams. Um, I, I just think... It, the values there for Ellis Brooks right there. Into the trenches I went. Chaz Wright, right tackle. Shane Simmons is my third defensive end, rotating there. Forgotten guy right there. I think he's yeah. you know, when he when he gets healthy and he missed the spring with the injury, uh when he gets healthy, I think he'll be he'll be just fine. He'll contribute this year. And you countered went D line too. Yes, I went uh well I actually went Zach McPherson next um to to give me a second corner. And then Fred Hansard. Um not really sure what to expect from Fred once again. Uh one technique all the way, I think. I've got Shelton in there who can also play one technique but could play three as well. Uh they're gonna take up a lot of space. I mean that's the, I think that's yes. what they're gonna do the best. They gotta keep those linebackers clean. Uh Hansard started to flash a little bit. He's been injured some. He hasn't. Pra- he's missed some practice time. But you know, if you're looking at Penn State's uh, situation, defensive tackle, you can't be too picky right now. Nope. And I can't be too picky with who's left on the offensive line. And this is not a shot at Mike Miranda, who was my next pick. But you know, I've got to make some selections here. He's a natural fit. He can play center. So now I've got my left guard, Stephen Gonzalez, Miranda at center, C.J. Thorpe at right guard, Chad Wright at right tackle. A lot of beef. Right. So it's it's definitely more of a run blocking line. But I think I feel comfortable with Trace McSorley throwing and escaping from pressure. Also considering in 2016, that offense exploded with an offensive line that was one of the worst in the country. Right. And and you, I think your strategy last year was to load up on offensive linemen because there was only, you know, seven of them worth drafting yeah. playing. Uh, now you've probably got closer to 10 and, you know, you can fit in there. And, and I think you'll be fine. I don't think the drop off is as big. I think my offensive line is obviously better, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think the drop off is as big as it would have been. Donovan Johnson was my next pick. Nickelback, guy who's been quietly very, very good so far this offseason. Him, Reed, during Castro Fields. Again, the past defense depth that I have, just I feel fantastic about. All right. I countered with Jonathan Sutherland at safety. Uh, high hopes for him. Can play special teams as well. And Damian Barber. Um, you know, uh, he's kind of sort of a mystery at the three technique. But for the guys that I have, Shelton and Hanser, Damian Barber is the most explosive player. Those guys can get in the backfield. And I'm just trying to build depth, as you'll see later in the draft. I'm just trying to build depth because, you know, I just want to throw numbers at defensive tackle and hope something sticks. Yeah. All right. I finally grabbed a running back, Mark Allen, followed by Elson Jordan. Now I've got three defensive ends. 
in Simmons, Tony, and Buckholtz. Givens, Windsor, and Allison Jordan. More pass rush, more bodies there. Mark Allen's going to be able to catch the ball in the backfield. Even if the pass rush gets home, a quick flip, and he can make some moves in open space. More valuable player than people give him credit for, Mark yes. Allen. I, you know, he doesn't have the size, obviously, but uh, you know, you hate to stereotype him. Ton of heart. He's a kid that plays hard and can do things for your football team. Um, I countered it with an all-Canadian round here. I like this. Yeah. Oh, Canada. Uh, Daniel Joseph's my third defensive end, and Jesse Lukita is a guy that you know you can put at uh, probably two linebacker spots. I don't think he's ready as a, as a linebacker yet, but he's got the athleticism. He pops athletically. Um, James Franklin said that he liked what he saw from them in the spring, so add him to your special teams, and he can play for you. All right. Winding down here, I filled out my offensive lineup. Still needed a tight end, Jonathan Holland. Welcome to the team. Left tackle, Alex Gowich did. You know, again, he's that 10th guy that you go maybe 9 or 10 that they feel comfortable with. Probably 8 is the surefire number, but um, I needed a tackle. It's still developing, but the strides he's made so far are impressive. So even if he's still in that developmental you know, category, he's much closer than where he used to be. I've got Bates. I've got Mennett. I've got Will Fries and Connor McGovern. So there's some offensive line pieces in place, but I took two offensive linemen right here. I took Zach Simpson, who can play guard or center. He spent the spring playing guard mostly, but has played center in the past. And I'm glad you took Alex Gellerstead because I was really struggling who to take between Gellerstead and Des Holmes, who ah. I took here. Uh, high hopes for Des Holmes. I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's gonna. we're going to see too much of him this year, maybe field goal block or whatnot. Um, but uh, a lot of high hopes for Des Holmes in the future. He can play tackle. You can move Bates around. You can move Fries around. You can even move McGovern around if you need to. So I uh, just added two offensive linemen there to get me to six, and I like where I'm standing on the offensive line. 14th round, second to last one that we had, Jay Cooper, Aaron Monroe. I needed a second safety. Monroe, you know, you're still waiting to kind of breakthrough, use that athleticism that everyone knows that he Stay has. Healthy. Yeah. But, you know, of the options I had left, I mean, you would grab Nick Scott, Lamont Wade, and Jonathan Sutherland, um, Monroe and Garrett Taylor. I think Taylor would be very solid. Monroe gives you a chance to freelance a little bit. Jay Cooper, again, injury is a question with him too, but someone solid like Jane Johnson will make the plays. Don't have to worry about him if he's out there. Yep. The Brown round for me. I only had two receivers, so I took Cam Sullivan Brown. We saw a little bit of Sullivan Brown in the spring. Big body. Big body. Didn't really pop a ton. Um, you wonder where he's going to be when Shorter gets here, uh, when Daniel George gets here, and some of the, and, and of course, Dotson, Jahan Dotson's coming in this summer as well. So, um, but he made a couple of tough catches when we were, when we were there to watch. And Journey Brown, uh, you know, he's he's your home run hitter. He's a fast guy. He's not a complete running back. But, heck, you, you pitch him the ball and see what he can do with it. I'm excited to see Journey out there when he gets some space between a good off, or behind a good offensive line like mine. So I went with Cam Sullivan Brown, Journey Brown back-to-back, my Brown round. I wrapped up with Jonathan Thomas and Pat Frymuth, tight end, recently came on campus in the event that Jonathan Holland uh, gets hurt, doesn't work out. This is the most complete guy on the roster, not saying he's ready to play, but just in terms of – he can block a little bit, and he's got the size, so we'll see what we got there. But two tight ends, more depth, two running backs, kind of a thunder and lightning combination at its best. The, and the bouncer combination. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Fryermuth could be a future bouncer. Oh, by the way, no stupid power rankings this week, unless we're ranking our teams in which I'm number one and you're number two. <laughs> um, but uh, I went to PJ Mustafer, who I looked at the roster, and I was like, oh. That's right. He's here. Um, He can play this year, I think. Uh, Big body, just shy of 300 pounds. I mean, it's a kid that's athletic, uh, more athletic than some of the guys they've brought brought in in the last couple of years. Um, So I'm excited to see what P.J. Mustafer can do. Again, just throwing numbers at defensive tackle to see what sticks. And I went with Carson Landis. Um, You know, I don't have a kicker, don't have a 
punter. There's two on the roster, so this is kind of a default pick. So hopefully he can uh, he can pick up from the spring. Yeah. And that concludes That's the it. second annual you didn't have a last pick? Penn State Fantasy Football Draft. No, I looked at the numbers and it all matches up. If I did have a last pick, Sean Clifford, welcome to the team. Guy who can hold a little bit. Um, good locker room guy, back quarterback, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, well, when my pass rush gets – no, I'm not even going to get into that. So. You, have, you have a pass rush? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've got Yeter and I've got Sharif Miller. I think I'll be all right. Oh, how's uh, Shaka Tony, Devin Gibbons, and uh, Ryan Buchholz or Shane Simmons if I just want to bring them off the bench sound? That's fine. That's okay. fine. I, I think I think defensive what, what's end the most is okay. Interesting matchup, you think? Like we we put these teams head to head. What the blue white game should be. Let's let's go there. This yeah, is, we should have drafted Sean and Andrew Andrew's game. the blue white yeah. game. Yeah. Um, I think probably on the interior, uh, your defensive tackles, and, and everybody's going to be looking at that. Your defensive tackles against uh, the interior of my offensive line. I think it's a, a pretty good matchup. I've got, of course, two of the starters in there. Actually, probably on both sides. Probably that's where I'd look to in the both sides. I mean, I've got the the good interior offensive line. You've got I think also a solid interior offensive line, but yeah. you have that advantage at defensive tackle. Yeah, I think, you know, for a zone read team, I don't mind having weak offensive tackles. Um, you know, they're purposely just going to leave a lot of ends unblocked. Again, McSorley can extend plays. If That's about what they that. were doing the last couple of years. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Um, can, you know, put it down people's throats. I'm, I'm feeling good about the run blocking. You know, pass protection is a different issue. But, you know, overall as a defense, um, the only way I think I get hurt is over the top of the deep ball. Yeah. But that's if you have enough time to get it off. You know, and that's is more tied to the inexperienced Garrett Taylor and Aaron Monroe. So. Lo- love your group of receivers. Um, again, you know, I've got, I'm okay at corner. I'm not great. I've got Amani and, and McPherson there. And I was probably going to draft Jabari Butler at the end. Instead, I took Landis. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's where probably – if you look at these two rosters, your passing game is, is probably a little bit uh, better than mine. It'd be fun. Yeah. We, we should do fun. this. You think James is <laughs> go for it? Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. James, listen, we did this draft, and we think it'd be really entertaining just lace them up, put on the pads. I think he'd have some words for us. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. confident they'd be positive Not words. safe for pod words. <laughs> right. But Cool. All right. Well, this is fun. Like we said, it's on the site. Um, and you know, between this and all the recruiting news really ate up most of the episode. We're going to wrap up now and look ahead for recruiting and mailbag and get out of here. Back to recruiting. Where does Penn state go from here? Eight commits, number 14 in the country on the 24 seven sports rankings. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think they're going to move on and and you got to look up front right now. Uh, you know, there, there's still needs out there. A second running back receiver, uh, could use another linebacker, but where, where Penn state's probably going to have to make its next moves is on the offensive and defensive lines. They got the commitment from Kate. Wallace right now on the offensive line, but um, you'd, you'd like to add a couple before, or excuse me, a couple before the season. Uh, it's pretty much the same story. You've got Ja'Kai Moore, you've got Anthony Wiggins, Xavier Trust, Salim Worley, a couple of uh, you know out of region guys that might pop up for official visits and, and, and things like that. But I mean, you're just going to keep going back to the same guys. And we did this in the defensive backfield. We talked yeah. about uh, Tyler Rudolph and Marquise Wilson, and you know Lewis Scenes in there as well as at safety. Um, you know, visiting in, in early June, but I mean, it's it, it's one of those things where you're just going to keep hearing about the same guys, and there's a reason for that. The top guys in the region, so um, I think that we'll probably start to see some movement uh, later in the summer. Lash bashes at the end of July, so trying to get some of these guys back for visits. Um, going back to the lash bash for a second, no official visits for that because it's it's during the period in which uh, you know the NCAA has said you cannot do official visits, so those will start up again during the season. But yeah, I saw Jakai Moore this weekend at Under Armour. I you know I like to put where Penn State stands there. I put a crystal ball in for Anthony Wigan last week. My crystal ball's been in for Truss and Wormley. I think it's probably a matter of uh, just like defensive 
backfield, they have a certain number of spots. And I don't think you can take them all. No. Um, so no chance of panicking, or when can we? When can we panic? No, there will be another round of panic. It's just not. It's it's not happening yet. So five and five days, just be happy with that, and then they'll they'll I think go on. a I don't know if they'll go on a run. I don't know if there's enough spaces left for them to go on a, a, another five-for-five five run, but they'll, they'll be fine. Defensive line, I think, is where the biggest need shifts to. Um, you know, numbers there are tight. You've got probably three or four spots, maybe one defensive tackle, um, you know, two, maybe three defensive ends if Zach Harrison is there. I mean, Zach Harrison, in my mind, number one prospect left on the board, no doubt about that. Um, number one prospect in America by 24-7 sports. And he would have been the answer, again, like most important recruit you could sign for this class, surely yeah. because he is you know, oh, absolutely. Yeah, But, you know, from a positional standpoint with how loaded we just ran through their defensive end group is right now, yeah. need lies with Brandon Smith, who's, again, an elite talent. Right, and Harrison right in Ohio State's backyard. I mean, I don't think the narrative is going to change with Zach Harrison. I mean, it's, it's just going to be so hard to just pluck that kid from 15 minutes away from Urban Meyer's doorstep. I mean, it's it, it's such a tough thing to do. Um, or excuse me, Ohio State has been an elite defensive line uh, producer. So I, I, I continue to see it being a, such a tough pull. But I also see it in that Penn State has done a phenomenal job recruiting him. So I, I will not count them out of this situation. Um, going to defensive tackle, Mozzie Smith is a guy that they had for an official visit uh, for the Blue-White game. They, you know, they're continuing to chip away at that, try and get ahead of Michigan. Michigan. I still think Michigan's in the lead there, um, but they had Hakeem Be- or Penn State had Hakeem Beeman, Jared Harrison Hunt visit recently as defensive tackles. Those are a couple guys that remain in the play, and I think that we've seen some shuffling on the board. I mean, you saw some last week. We talked about Rodus Johnson, and the crystal balls went Penn State's way after you know Notre Dame sort of filled up a defensive tackle. Well, I mean, I think Penn State's in a good situation where you know they don't need to jump on taking somebody like Rodus Johnson just because he's available. So they're looking uh, the. the they're evaluating their board. I think they sit solidly with a couple of those guys. Beeman's announcing in a couple weeks as well. Uh, Harrison Hunt, I think, uh, you know, Penn State loves um, probably more than, than his star rating would indicate. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's basically where they would be there. Adisa Isaac's still out there. David Ajabu. Uh, I think probably the most impressive thing is in a, in, an, in a region that wasn't supposed to be strong at defensive line, Penn State went out and found a few guys like Harrison Hunt, like Ajabu, like Isaac. Skyrocketed. Raw guys that will, will continue to see their ratings increase. Um, probably more athletic freaks than football players at this point. But, hey, I mean, you got to start somewhere. And, and Sean Spencer has had success with that type in the past. Right. Okay. All that said, very basic question. Okay. Kicks off the mailbag. How many commits are coming in this cycle? Um, you know, I'm forecasting 18 to 20. Of course, numbers being what they are always change. Um, you know, you got eight right now, but you, you look at the needs that are still on board. You'd like to see John Mechie uh, at receiver, plus probably another guy, maybe a Florida guy, maybe a David Bell from, from Indiana. Um, tight end, I, I don't see them taking a tight end in this class. I don't think they're in well enough with anyone. Of course, Hunter Henry, the number, number one tight end in the country, is going to take an official visit in early June. But I just don't see enough interest there to say, hey, that's going to be a guy that Penn State's going to end up with. So I think they can skip tight end. They took two last year, a uh, decent crop in the in the region in 2020. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. You'd love another running back. You'd love another quarterback. Not sure that that happens, but you've got uh, uh, Jaden Daniels on the board, Michael Johnson Jr. coming in for an official visit in June as well. So the potential to add another quarterback is still there. I, I mean, I, I'm looking at the roster thinking, I'm not sure that this is the year to do it, especially with, you know, it doesn't, Tommy really doesn't impact that, but 
you still got Sean Clifford, Jake Zembeck, Will Levis just got on campus. Yep. So there's there's numbers there. So I think it's probably better suited using that elsewhere. But quarterbacks transfer all the time. So who knows? Speaking of numbers, uh, second question. This is this is going so smoothly in the mailbag. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the ideal scholarship breakdown in your mind? And, and I started to answer this question on my own board and then just deleted about two paragraphs because a lot of it was like, it depends on your situation. It depends on what kind of you know program you want to build and, and the conference that you're in and of course your footprint. But you know all the semantics aside in the specifics, you get to break this down however you want. How's it go? Uh, I mean, I, I'm a guy, and I think it goes down to personal preference, really. And I, and, and we so I should have kept writing. You should have kept writing what you were writing because you were right. I mean, okay. uh, you know, you look at a typical class, one quarterback, one running back, a tight end, two or three receivers, four offensive linemen, uh, four or five defensive linemen, two or three linebackers, and then four four defensive back. And it But it doesn't always work out like that. So what I do, and, and I'm a big believer in throwing numbers at the defensive line and the offensive line because mm-hmm. I think that's where programs like – uh, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, the the schools that Penn State's yes. chasing right now, I think that's how they got where they are. I mean, they threw numbers at the offensive line. It's worked. Um, you know, you sort of had to get, you know, uh, attrition or, there, or, or someone or the other on the offensive and defensive lines, and they've been able to, to sort of do that iron sharpens iron type of thing. So, you know, if you're going to throw uh, numbers at a, at a specific spot, you know, the staff loves DNs. The staff loves corners. Um, and of course, athletes that can that, that can change the game at receiver, and they've recruited running back extremely well. So, I mean, I don't know that there is a set number for any of those things, but I, I, I throw numbers at the offensive and defensive line. Where would you maybe take a risk? I mean, because the numbers are greater there, obviously you can afford to you know miss out on a kid or have a scholarship you know not return that investment that you're making, but. Where might you, you know, be a little bit more willing to take something off? Given where Penn State is in terms of regional recruiting versus national recruiting, and their, their footprint is always going to be their their bread and butter. I mean, that six hour radius is always going to be. You look at what's what's available, and I think defensive back is a great um, a great example of that. This cycle, I mean, they're set out to take three defensive backs. That obviously I don't think was going to happen. But you look at who who was out there: Rudolph, Wilson, uh, Cameron Kelly's down in Virginia. Uh, Keaton Ellis, of course, has been on board, and we all forget about him. Brisker's there. Lewis Seen is there, and they're going to have to shut out some other guys. But I mean, it's it's one of those things where hey, if the athletes are there, and these are guys that can really really help you. I mean, these are next level guys. I mean, you, you're, yeah. you're talking about potentially shutting out a Cameron Kelly or a Lewis Seen, but these are next level guys that can really help you. And 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 the way that they've grown process sort of watered them and, and, and put them outside and, and let them grow from safety to linebacker, you know, corner to safety, safety to linebacker, linebacker to, to D end or whatnot. I think you can afford to take guys more so at the back end. So um, it, it really dict- – what really dictates that is how strong the region is, how strong, you know, some of those position groups are. And, you know, if you load up one year and you have to take a step back the next year, and I, and I think that's the forecast. And and I think that's kind of what, what, what sucks in terms of 2020 recruiting uh, running backs is yeah there's some great players out there but if you look at the 2020 class of running backs uh, compared to the 2019 running backs where you've got Marshawn Lloyd who I've got a crystal ball in for Penn State Jalen Berger from from New Jersey that's out there um, Chris Tyree who has some crystal ball picks as well I mean that's an that's an elite crop of running backs right, right. there and you'd love to take two of those guys rather than you know scrounging for uh, not scrounging but going after a Noah Kane or trying to go national with Eric Gray or or trying to flip Samson James from Ohio State I mean it's tough 
but the the roster dictates two running backs in this situation, so you got to go with that. So I just think that that's the problem when you get into 2020 and you take a Marshawn Lloyd, and it might leave you on the outside looking in with a Jalen Berger, or Chris Tyree, or there's there's some really good backs. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's probably four or five running backs who in, in any given cycle probably could have had a Penn State offer. So mm-hmm. Tim Baldwin's going to come up in camp from Virginia. Lammy Constant just picked up an LSU offer last week in New York City. I mean, there's just a lot of those guys that are floating around that are really, really good talents, but Penn State's not going to offer them because they're they're in a good spot with elite talents right now running back. Cool. So, yeah. So I think that – what is that? Is that it? That was some elite info. This has been an elite podcast for you. Elite podcast. I, I really enjoyed this one. I think the back yeah. and forth was great. It was probably the music that got me going. Or fluffing up my ego when we started really helped as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you proved it at the end. I'm just <laughs> sitting here letting you letting you roll on. Yeah. Um, all right. This has been fun. Uh, so you uh, – Coincidentally, you're about to take a small vacation, so um, yeah. that is well-earned, well-deserved. I wanted to get this out so I could listen to it on repeat going down to <laughs> Charleston because I've got the kids in the backseat. Eric, listen how great I am. Listen, yeah. can you take some notes, please? <laughs> um, yeah, so all right, very 12-hour good. trip tomorrow should be fine. Well, I know we've said this before and then we reconvened after a week, but I think this time we mean it. Not sure exactly when the next pod will be. Right. Um, this is a big kind of spring filler segment, but the next time we do see you, uh, will be stupid Penn State power rankings make the return for people unfamiliar with Thank those. God. Yeah, yeah, we we've done uh, we've done uh, bouncers. Yeah, players as bouncers, assistants as how good do you think they would be at Fortnite? And last time it was ranking Avengers as how they would help. Uh, Penn I State's totally know what we were talking about. Yes. Yeah, trying to keep it topical, which um, you know, I, the, a recent, topical's not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried to keep it somewhat topical this time, and I liked the idea, and you didn't, and it wasn't so much of like getting into the real nitty gritty of this. But true story, uh, last week, I believe it was, Penn State awarded a 1994 lawnmower that it had used from 94 to 2016 on the Beaver Stadium field. And it put it up for auction. There was one bid, and it was up for a week. I think that one bid won it. The bid, though, was for Mm $2,500. And I get that Penn State has a wide alumni base, and within that large group of any kind of people, there are going to be some crazy people with a lot of money, uh, one of whom now owns a new, quote, 1994 uh, lawnmower. But the default bid was $2,500, and I'm going... Just bid the 100. Like, <laughs> if it's in increments of 100, start at the bottom. And if you win, great. If not, like, this thing wasn't even used last season. So, long story made longer. Uh, what I wanted to do was rank parts of the stadium that you would rather pay 2500 bucks to. And that led to a discussion of the troughs and the, the urinals, yes. But but imagine this now, because this is probably the only good discussion or point of the discussion. This is the only good of. urinal trough discussion <laughs> we have, yes. The gates. The gates that, are awesome. that the players walk through. Like, listen, imagine this doesn't do anything for me. I don't have a driveway. I'm not a Penn State fan. But if you had the Penn State gates that they swing open for all the players to run through and the coaches during every single game at the end of your driveway, I think I think people listening would probably pay twenty five hundred, if not more, for that. I think they're worth a lot more than that. Yeah, I mean, if you put those things out there, that's, yeah, that, we're not, that'd we'll be pretty be sick. Yeah. Reasonable within the. You know, realm of stupid. Speaking power of which, if you happen to buy the lawnmower, if you're that guy, please tweet at Andrew. We'll yes. try and get you on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I have some serious questions for you. Yeah, <laughs> I cool. bet you do. All right. Anyway, great episode. Uh, we're on iTunes. Please rate us um, for our great episodes on iTunes um, and continue to listen. Check out the site. We've got a ton of stuff coming on the site. Um, I mean, it's it, it's Appalachian State Week. We didn't even get to that. Man, I knew we missed something. Anyway, um, <laughs> I can tell you're sitting there waiting for me not to bring this up yes. because we well, that's why I did the rundown today. So, so we could 
just definitely. Well, here's what we talk about. Next week is pit week, so people are always going to be up talking Penn State pit. All right, let's do it. We'll bring some fire takes. Or next in next episode, not necessarily next week. Well, next week. Well, next week, week on the not site. Reading okay. Not, yeah, I'm going to be writing about pit. It's you know other Great. people besides you to read it. Great. Yeah, rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week and. Uh, Try to fit your head through the door when you leave with Perfect. to make this drink because you don't understand the juice of vodka ratio that to satisfy a real drunk. Guess what? Never trust a bartender that don't drink.